And also we're gonna pray for Luke this morning because Luke's gonna share a message with us and oh, don't I know it two years ago when I spoke for the first time and right now even speaking, I'm all anxious and uh, nervous. So we're gonna lift Luke up and just pray that God uses him as I know that he used me in my weakness two years ago. So I know he's gonna use you too, God. Um, all right, let's pray together. Dear God, um, I just thank you for who you are and for all the ways that you provide for us and how you're providing for us um, even in this moment. Um, and God, for Luke, um, just calm his nerves and help him to just speak and uh, God, use him. Um, let everyone here hear the message that you have for them personally this morning, God. And um, I just thank you for people uh, like Luke who are willing to step up and do something new and exciting, God. Uh, we thank you for this place, and we praise you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember Luke, even as a young guy, like going like, I, I'd like to preach sometime. So, and uh, he never got, he never, never happened. And he, uh, so anyway, I said, hey, remember you wanted to preach before? Are you still, is that still something you'd want to do? And he's like, yeah, I'll do that. And then last night, I think he regretted the decision. <laughs> But uh, he said, I'm nervous. I'm a little anxious. I'm not usually, I'm not nervous at school to get up and speak. I'm not afraid. I said, it's just your church family. There's nothing to be afraid of, right? God, like, it's just the church family. This is the best place ever to get to preach the word of God. We're all like, yeah. <laughs> it's not about being perfect as we just talked about. It's, not, it's about our church family and you get to just share the gospel and the heart of the message. So um, thanks for doing that, Luke. You're on. Yeah, I'm almost right. I did not know what I was signing up for. It was scary last night. Jeepers. I'm still scared today, but we'll just jump into this, I guess, and we'll see. So, uh, hey, guys. Hey, ACC. How are we doing today? <laughs> oh, that's good. That is very good. At least, you know, half of us are doing good. I mean, I know the Toronto fans are not doing well. I know the Montreal fans are. When I was thinking of how I was going to compose this sermon, that was one of the things that popped into my head. How can I make fun of Toronto fans? And I'm glad to say we got past that point. <laughs> the other thing that got into my head was, well, I could really use some chocolate milk. I was very thirsty on the days I was preparing this sermon. Coincidence? Maybe. Thirdly, I was thinking where to begin. The Bible is a very big book, at least 50 pages. I haven't counted, so I can't tell you the number exactly, but there's a lot. Not to mention that there's so many verses of so many meanings. I'm sure there's a book for almost every verse of the Bible. And they're all interconnected. It was just a daunting task to decide where to start. But eventually, through prayer and through help from my family, and yeah, I decided where to begin. There are three, there are multiple points that I'd like to focus on today. Those being that that there is no condemnation from God. There is freedom in the spirit of God. There is no separation from God's love. And those are the three ideas. Now, these are not revolutionary ideas by any means. These are pretty basic ideas for the most point. But sometimes the basic ideas are the most powerful. I was just thinking... We all know God is good, and we all know God is all-powerful. But do you ever think, wow, God is all-good, and God is all-powerful? It's insane. There's no one like him. There's nothing like him. And it's just, <laughs> it was pretty incredible. 
So I guess to start, this past year I went to a Christian university called Crandall, and there I took a public speaking class, or I guess a communicating class, if I want to sound academic. There, they tried to connect the Bible to some of our classes, and one of the verses that our communicating professor gave to us was Matthew 10, 19-20, which is, when you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will, be, will give you the right... Uh, do not worry about to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of God speaking through you. That's a pretty powerful verse. Of course, it, it makes it a hard balancing act in communicating class, because it's like, do I work or do I let God do the work? I, uh. No, it's, but seriously, it's a very powerful verse, right? To know that someone's got this. Someone, someone can help me out when I'm going through this troubling time. Some of us aren't speakers. Like, personally, I would rather send my messages through email. But God can use you if you're not like, it's amazing that God can speak through you and God can use you in all these ways. Before we go further, looking at the power of God's spirit, we, I want to do two things. First, I want to get out of the way of this childish comparison that I used to have with the Holy Spirit. This, the thing that I used to, my grown, I guess you could say, respect and love of the Holy Spirit over the years. And secondly, I'm going to, I guess, finally get to the verses. <laughs> so when I was younger, as most kids were, I was in love with a lot of things. Superheroes, ice cream, my family was in there somewhere also. But one of the things, I'm going to focus on superheroes today. So when I was younger, and to this day, I really enjoy superheroes. I think most of the world does, as there are 22 Marvel movies in the last eight years or so. And one of them is the highest grossing film of all time. So a lot of people like these movies. Now, why do people like these movies? I don't think anyone knows for sure. But I have, a, I have a running theory. And that's because they have heroes in them. We all like to cling to, I find we all like to cling to a hero. When I was younger, it was Batman. As I've grown, it's become Superman. And all the time, it's God. Again, he's all good. He's all powerful. These heroes in the comics, they can't be all good. They can't be all powerful. If they were, then the stories would be boring. But that's the crazy thing, is that in some sense, the story that we have could be looked at as boring because no matter what, we always have God. It's insane. So with that change of perception, when I used to, as a child, compare God and Jesus to superheroes. God was the creator. He was the person who made everything. Jesus was the savior. He was the one who saved everything. The Holy Spirit was just there because he never did anything physical. But as I've grown, I realize that they're much more than heroes. They're not heroes, they're above them. And with that came a newfound love and respect for the Holy Spirit because it's in all of us. And it's Jesus and God acting through. Now I guess it's finally time to jump into the Bible. But before I get into the main passage of the Bible I will be going over today, I guess it's important to set the groundwork or bring in some context for the verses. So if we jump back into the times of the Old Testament, or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, I think. I'm pretty sure that was on my exam, so I should know this, but uh, might have not been. 
One of the things we see there is the introduction of the Torah, or the law of God, and how it was given to the Israelites. We jump back into Romans 8 for a second. All right, sorry. God gave the Jews the rules of the Torah, but that did not save them. The law acted as a band-aid against sin, a permanent fixture. It actually reminds me of a story. We have some Dutch heritage on my dad's side, and our oma always tells the story of this boy who put his finger in a hole. I forget the story exactly. Basically, there's a huge wall, because Amsterdam, or the country of Netherlands, are full of dams, right? And then one time, there's a hole in one of these dams, and this water starts coming into the village. So one boy puts his finger in the hole and plugs it up. Now, I don't think that would work physically. I'm not a scientist, but I can tell you that would probably hurt your finger. That is the same. It's not a permanent solution, right? And it's the same with the, the Torah. The Torah is not a, a permanent solution. In fact, in some ways, Paul goes on to say, and Paul goes on to maybe point out in Romans that it makes us more guilty as a whole because we have these rules, but we don't follow them. We are, all need in a, we are all in need of a rescuer because we are all totally, of, we're to, all totally guilty of not reaching the standard of God. Luckily, in Romans 8, 1, 3, it says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the laws of sin and death. Isn't that powerful? We're free guys, you know? Free in the spirit, free from the laws of sin and death. Do we really grasp that, right? No condemnation. No condemnation, no matter how bad it is. Sometimes we might feel like our sin is so big that we can't escape from it, that God can't forgive us. Or we look at other people and we disregard them because we think that their sin is too big and that God can't forgive them. But there's no condemnation. God can forgive all of us. There's no sin that's too big for God. There is nothing he can't cover. That is the whole point of the gospel. We are set free and changed by the immense power of the Holy Spirit. If you want some background on that, before reading Romans 8, Romans 7 kind of contrast, Romans 8, and we get Paul kind of acting as, as us in, in Romans 7. As he says, Romans 7, 24, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? What a wretched man are all of us, right? Like sometimes we ask ourselves, can we be forgiven? And that's kind of what this verse is saying, right? Like no, no matter how bad, there is no condemnation. And uh, Paul would go on to answer his own question when he asked the question, who will rescue me from this body that's being sent to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, my Lord. God will save him. God can save anyone, because there is, again, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I guess we'll jump ahead a bit to Romans 8, 5 to 8. That verse is, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Again, the Spirit is so powerful and so good. It saves us from death. 
It makes us free from the chains of death. When we accept Jesus, we are given a new way of life. We have new desires. We want to live according to the Spirit of Christ. And that is a complete 180 degree turn from our desired used to be. Repenting from sin means you completely turn around and change your ways. But it's the Spirit in us who wants to change us. A verse that popped into my head while I was reading this was uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17. When I was doing this, I was, um, I was looking around for verses to help add to it. I didn't know how to find them. because you know, Just turning to random pages of the Bible and looking at all of them, it doesn't really help. But eventually I found a few through prayer and considering, and of course, podcasts, and the first one being 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm pretty sure that's a song, too. I mean, obviously it was a verse first, but I think that's in a song, and it's a very powerful verse. Again, we are free through the Spirit, and the cost of that freedom was paid by God. God is our kinsman redeemer, if you will. That's a, that's a big term. I cracked it, you know, thank biblical school right there. I remember I was listening to another podcast and someone just cracked up this huge word out of nowhere. And the other guy was like, is that even a word? It didn't really sound like a word. And this, this phrase comes from the Bible, obviously. And it's when someone in your family uh, acts on responsibility who is in trouble or in danger. This, there's an example of this in the book of Ruth. Boaz is Ruth, Ruth's kinsman redeemer. He protects her family, her and Naomi. And that, the book of Ruth is a very small and important book, and it connects to this because just like that, God is our kinsman redeemer. He will always protect us. He is all good and all powerful. So, so far in Romans 8, we have seen some beautiful truths. One, we are free in the spirit. Two, there is no condemnation from God. But the book of Romans is so much in it, and Romans 8 even has so much more to give. If you guys can now turn to Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. This is probably my favorite part of the whole Romans 8, 28. God works all things in the good. All things. Reminds me, I was, um, I work at Camp Tlachitic this year, and uh, I started work last week, actually. And because we stay there all the time, we're given, we have to eat there. And so one of the things that our, the director told us was, we will buy you the food, you just have to make it. Now there's three of us, and none of us can cook. Not to mention I'm a picky eater. So we're, we're kind of at, at a bad bad disadvantage. One of us can make stir-fry, but I don't like vegetables, so. One of the things that we had to do there was obviously start making our own food. We've had lots of trial and error, but one of the things we tried to make was spaghetti. Spaghetti, the piece of spaghetti individually, they don't, you know, they taste bad. Like cold spaghetti sticks, trust me, don't eat them. And the sauce about being boiled, again, not the best. But when you put it all together, you get this very good meal, in my opinion. Some people might not like spaghetti. And it's the same with God's goodness. Sometimes some of the pieces don't seem to fit. But God is all-powerful, and he can work all of these into something that we can't see. Sometimes things that may not seem good in the moment come out to be good. Another example of this is in earlier on with Moses, right? 
So when the Pharaoh wanted all the male children of the Israelites to be killed, Moses' mom probably thought this is a terrible thing, right? Like there's no good in this. But God worked that to good. And no one could see the full picture except God. That's an amazing thing. Not to mention God is all good, but if we go to Romans 8.31, he's, he's all powerful. This one reminds me of a Romans 8.31. I'm pretty sure it's a song in VBS. It really got stuck in my head. It's, if God is for us, who can be against us? Or what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right? Like if God is for us, who can be against us? So not only is God all good, but he's all powerful. That's pretty amazing. In my opinion. I'm sure we're all actually on the same page here. Um, so Romans 8 began by talking about our condemnation. How none of us are condemned. Like we have no condemnation. And it ends very powerfully and very beautifully with no separation. No separation between us and God's love. If we want to turn to Romans 8, 38 to 39, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. No chasm is too wide. No river is too long. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love again. So I'm going to close in prayer now. Thank you, God, for this beautiful summer we've been having, how nice and warm it's been. And thank you for this amazing church family here. Thank you for being all good and all powerful. Please help us all have a wonderful day today. In Jesus' name, amen.